turn with me, if you will, to, to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Matthew 13, we're going to be looking at the very end of the, this chapter this morning, 44 uh, through 58. We've been uh, going through Matthew's gospel, and as we've been doing so, we're, we're now uh, just a few weeks away from, from uh, where we'll stop for, for a period uh, over the summer, and then uh, we'll actually, in the autumn, pick up in Genesis, and then come back around to Matthew early next year. But uh, we're going to go through chapter 16. Uh, this morning, though, we're going to go verses 44 through 58. And this is a, a series of parables on, on the kingdom of, of God. And, and we've uh, looked at the first few over the last couple of weeks. This morning, uh, we're picking up with these few. And um, uh, Arnold, uh, could you go tell them now, sir? It's still quite chilly. Everyone's chilly, aren't they? I can tell. Okay. Could you just tell them to turn it down a bit uh, again? Yeah. Tell them we're not worried about getting too hot. It'll be fine. Yeah. They're worried it's going to be too hot. Sorry. I do apologize for the, the temperature. Uh, Matthew 13, verses 44 through 58. This is God's word. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forevermore. Uh, there's an old tale about Alexander the Great that after he uh, conquered the Medes, uh, he heard rumors of the incredible riches of India. And so he, he gave away all of his gold and his silver in order to, to raise up an army so that he could go in and claim the, the riches of India for himself. And when he was asked, uh, after doing this, what, what he had kept back for himself, you know, surely you must have kept some of these, these riches that you had uh, for yourself. You couldn't have just you know, sold it all in order to raise up this army. And he, he said, the, what did he keep for himself? He said the, that, that he kept the hope of better and greater things. The hope of better and greater things. Well, that's, that's what Jesus is, is trying to teach us this morning in these parables, particularly uh, in these first two uh, of the, the, the treasure and the, the pearl. You know, that that, that we, we, uh, there, there's a cost to following him. 
but we, we give things up in, in the hope of better and greater things. We, we once again hear these, these teachings, we, we've heard it in previous weeks, uh, this interplay between uh, uh, the Savior who, who gives us rest and offers us rest for our souls, and the Savior who commands us to take on his yoke and learn from him. And so today we hear, we hear this interplay between uh, the joy of the gospel and the seriousness of the gospel. And that's, that's actually our first two points. There's three points for us this morning. The joy of the gospel, the seriousness of the gospel, and then lastly, the fragility of the gospel. So let's first look at, at the joy of the gospel. Uh, it's all over these, these first two parables, isn't it? Uh, it's amazing how much Jesus actually packs into these short sentences. You know, that's, that's actually the power of a, of a parable, that uh, it gives us a picture of the deep truths of the gospel. And we heard Jesus say that last week, that, that he's revealing to us uh, the deep things about the kingdom of God. Now, the first thing we should notice is, is the state of, of these two men who find their treasures. Because it appears that, that they're each looking for, for something, aren't they? They're looking for something more than, than what they already had. And the searching actually matters, doesn't it? Jesus is essentially saying that, that each of us is, is on a search for our treasure. Every, hum, every human being out there is, is looking for, for something, something more, something that, that will give us true joy. We should all be able to, to feel that in our own hearts, shouldn't we? Because we, we experience that in our lives, in our longings, in the, the longings of our hearts that we feel each day. What is, it that, what is it that you desire more than anything? If I were to ask you that, what, what would you say? Perhaps some of you would say that, that more than anything, you desire the, the love of a, of a spouse. Or maybe some of you would say that, that more than anything, you desire a, a job that will give you uh, a, a real purpose, a real, uh, a real meaning to your life. Maybe some of you would say that, that your, your deepest longing, your deepest desire is to know that your children will grow up to be okay. That they'll reach their full potential. Or maybe some of you would say that, that your, your deepest longing is, is for a home. A place where you belong. Well, Jesus understands the longings of the human heart. And he, he points to them here. This, this merchant, for example, is, is actively looking for the, the finest pearls, the ones that, that he can sell at such a great profit that it, it'll provide security for his family. Maybe like, like you, he thought uh, his treasure wasn't, wasn't actually out there. You know, maybe maybe he, he had his doubts about whether he would actually find that thing that he was looking for. You know, maybe at some point he, he consoled himself with that thing that we often hear people say, that it's, it's not actually the treasure that matters, but it's, it's the search. And we hear that, don't we? And, and that's supposed to sound very philosophical, even if it doesn't leave us feeling very satisfied. What Jesus says here, actually, the, the treasure matters. That the treasure actually matters. It's not, just, it's not just the search, even though we're all searching. But the treasure itself matters. And he tells us that by, by showing what happens when these, these two men discover their treasures. What do they do when they discover this thing they've been looking for? Well, they go and they sell everything that they have in order to, to buy the treasure that they've longed for. 
And there's really uh, two things reflected in this response. We see uh, the joy of finding the treasure, but then we see the value of the, the treasure itself. Central to these two uh, parables is, is the joy caused by discovering the kingdom of God. You hear that first in the, the treasure parable, don't you? And joy is one of those emotions that, that's uh, sometimes hard for us to nail down. Uh, we often mistake joy for, for simple happiness. You know, we, we, we think that it's, it's just a, a bit of happiness, but it's, it's more than that, isn't it? I think that, that joy is, is more like a fountain who, who has its source in a, in, a, in a person or object that causes us to, to have delight and happiness and satisfaction and hope and most of all love that this fountain springs up and overflows in us. But you might not always experience those, those emotions all at once. You know, maybe you experience joy at some point in your life, maybe at the, the birth of a child, maybe on your wedding day, maybe in, in some other important life event, like, like the, the completion of a, a degree that you worked really hard for. The point is that these things don't, don't always uh, can constantly make us happy. But they can provide us with, with a purpose. And they can provide us with a, a deeper satisfaction and a deeper hope. And often they provide us with love. And sometimes the, the best way to measure the amount of joy something gives us is, is if we, we considered how devastating it would be if we lost it. You see, the fact is that we all long for joy. We all long for that, that person or that thing that's going to, to supply us with that, that, that deep, uh, unending uh, uh, measure of, of, of hope and love and happiness. And, joy, and Jesus is saying to us here that that's what the, the kingdom of heaven is. That's what, that's what being, being found in Christ is. The kingdom is the, the thing that we're longing for. It's the thing that you've been wandering the earth searching for your whole life, whether your, your life has been long or short. It's the one thing you've been, you've been longing for. And it's found in the, the teachings of this parable. Uh, and it's found in the, the one who is teaching it, Jesus. Until we stop and find our, our joy in him, then we, we're just going to keep wandering. And we're going to keep saying to ourselves, maybe, maybe the treasure isn't really there, but, but it, it, maybe, maybe it's all about the search. But that brings us to the, the first challenge that these, these parables present us with. And it's, and it's a simple question that we need to ask ourselves. Do you find your joy in Christ? Do you find your joy in Christ? Is Christ that, that fountain of, of joy in your heart? And if not, then, then Jesus says here, you, you might want to take another look. Don't just keep searching. Because Again, it's not the search. It's in fact what you find that, that actually matters. See, Jesus is saying to us loudly and clearly that he is the, the treasure. He is, is the, the pearl of great price. He is, he is the fountain of all of our joy and peace and love. Is he your joy? Is the question we should be asking ourselves. Now this naturally leads to the, the second thing that we see, which is, which is the value of the treasure I couldn't uh, possibly uh, hope to, to talk about this passage and these two parables without talking about one of my favorite television programs, Detectorists. 
And if, you, if you've not seen Detectorist, it's, it's a show that focuses on two friends who are brought together by their mutual love of, of going out into the fields, the farmland surrounding their, their uh, English village and, and searching for, for treasures buried deep beneath using metal detectors. And it sounds like a really dumb concept, but actually it's, it's a wonderful program. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great tribute to the beauty of the English countryside. Uh, but it's about, the, it's, it's about friendship. It's, a, it's about the search for something of, of real value. And most of the time they only find old, old bottle caps and old, old cans. But as they walk through these, these fields, they sometimes talk about uh, what the reaction's going to be like, not if, but when they find a bit of gold. See, the, the detectorist community are, are known for, for having what's called a gold dance. This, this, uh, the first time they find a piece of gold, they, they have some kind of dance that they'll, they'll do. And these two characters in the show uh, have this discussion as they're walking through these fields looking for this, this thing that may or may not be there of, of what are they going to do when they find that, that piece of gold, you know, that, that gold coin, that gold ring, that, that ancient treasure. What are they going to do? Are they going to, uh, you know, do, do they have a, a choreographed routine or are they just going to do whatever comes to them in the moment? Well, Jesus tells us how we should react, doesn't he, to the, to the treasure of the kingdom. And in this reaction, we see the, the real value of the kingdom, don't we? These two men who, who had each separately found their, their treasure, one in a field, the other a pearl, what do they do? Well, they go and they sell everything they have in order to, to buy their treasure. And this is actually amazing stuff here. It's, it's really important that we get this. So, so listen to this carefully. The whole point of these two parables is that the, the joy of the, the kingdom, the value of the kingdom, animates our faith. It's what causes us to, to live out our faith. Why did these two men sell all that they had to buy their treasures? Well, it was because they didn't think they were actually giving anything up. They didn't believe they were, they were giving up anything. They were, they were like Alexander the Great they gave up a little bit in the hopes of, of better and greater things. These two men didn't think that, that in the end it was, it was costing them anything to sell all of their possessions to, to buy this field with a, a buried treasure or to buy a, a pearl of, of tremendous value. See, it's the value of the kingdom that, that animates our faith. And the value always comes back to the object of our faith. You see, these two men had found their, their treasure, and it was a, a treasure. It, it was the treasure itself that told them what they, they ought to do. To give up everything they had in order to possess this one thing. Jesus is saying to us that, that he's the, the treasure, and we have to look to him to know what to do when we found him. This is, again, where, where we get into the, the taking on the, the yoke of Christ upon ourselves. If these two men reacted naturally to their, their treasures then what is our, our natural reaction to Jesus? Well, it ought to be uh, love and obedience. You see, we often get that reversed, don't we? We see Christianity as a set of rules that we have to follow. And if we can follow the rules enough, then, then maybe we'll be presentable before God. Well, Jesus says following the rules would uh, uh, first would be insane. You know, it would be like going out and buying a field in the hopes that there might be a treasure there somewhere. And that, that sounds crazy and that sounds dangerous, doesn't it? It's scary. 
That's why no one can actually do it. That's why no one, no one who tries to follow all the rules perfectly in order to be right before God uh, has ever actually achieved that. See, the beauty of the, the gospel that Matthew reinforces here is what we saw way back in the Sermon on the Mount. If you were with us for the Sermon on the Mount, maybe you remember this. What did Jesus offer back in, in the Sermon on the Mount before he got into his long explanation of the law? Well, he offered the Beatitudes, didn't he? He, he offered these, these blessings that were the, the foundation for, for all the things that, that he was going to say after that about being obedient to the law. And the same thing happens here, doesn't it? Before they sell everything, they discover the treasure first, don't they? See, our treasure determines what we should do and how we should live. For the two men in these parables, the, the treasures themselves told them everything that they should do. And they didn't feel that they were giving up anything to possess them. And folks, this is where we have to, to see how the, the gospel works itself out in our lives. What's worth giving up for the treasure of Christ Jesus and his kingdom? That's the question we have to ask ourselves every single day, and it, it applies to absolutely everything. You know, we may ask ourselves, why should I, why should I follow the Christian sexual ethic? Why should I, why, why should I uh, refrain from sex outside of marriage? Well, too often the, the Christian answer to that is simply moralism, isn't it? Because this is what we think is a good moral thing to do, and it's been passed down through the ages. That answer, in fact, is, is a sure path to, to death and misery. The reason we should, we should be obedient to, to the, the sexual ethic we see in Scripture is because Jesus is so wonderful and so beautiful and his eternal kingdom is, is, so, is so great and it offers us so many delights that laying aside a, a momentary pleasure in order to be brought more in line with, with the, the calling of the kingdom of Christ Jesus is no real sacrifice at all. Yeah, that's, that's the heart of this parable, isn't it? And it can be applied to anything. The whole idea, the, the deep truth here is that, that our treasure, that, that Jesus is, is sufficient to repay anything that it costs us to possess him. See, you can ask your treasure any question about, about life, and there's, there's an answer ready for you. Why should I get up, give up a lucrative job to, to go overseas and spread the gospel? Well, because there's a, a wealth in the kingdom that will last for eternity that's found in Christ. And earthly riches are, are no sacrifice to lay aside for the kingdom. Why should I give up this, this, this relationship that feels so good and it makes me feel loved even, even though I know it's not honoring to God? Because Jesus, your treasure, knows you more intimately and he loves you more deeply than any lover ever could. So it's no sacrifice to lay aside even a, a relationship for him. You see, these things don't come without pain and they don't come... They don't come without some hints of uncertainty, do they? But the whole point that Jesus is making is that, that, that uh, if, you if you found yourself in him, then you can stop searching for the, the things in this world that you hope will fill you. And you can lay aside everything that you've already obtained because Jesus can repay and more anything that, that he takes away, that he asks us to give up. 
to possess him. But it is in the, the giving up that we begin to see our second point, isn't it? And that is the seriousness of the gospel. The seriousness of the gospel. We, we should be struck by the fact that these, uh, the, these two parables, uh, something had to be done, didn't there, in order to, to possess the treasure. They had to, to take possession of the treasure of the kingdom. And in the next parable, Jesus explains why. And that's because he, he uses, uh, well, he uses, again, a, a ready illustration, this, this picture of, of the fisherman and his catch to show what is to, to come. And, and it sounds similar to what we heard last week, doesn't it? Uh, in the explanation of the parable of the weeds. Jesus is, is once again not shying away from, from talking about judgment, isn't he? He's calling us to, to take him and, and his kingdom seriously because there's consequences for failing to do so. And we're given here a picture of the, the breadth of the kingdom. Jesus says the final judgment will be uh, like if we were a fish that got plucked out of the sea and judged by the fishermen. And the question for us is who among us could stand if we got plucked up by God tonight and were judged on our quality? Who could stand? Who could stand before God Almighty in all of his holiness and all of his righteousness? Do you think do you think you could? Do you think you could stand before him? Or do you think you could flop before him like a like a fish out of the water? Well, the answer to that question is only those who find themselves righteous through Christ alone can stand before him. You see, Jesus wants us to focus our, our minds right now on the, the danger we put ourselves in when we spend our whole lives searching without without ever finding or accepting the treasure of the grace of God in him. And there'll be a day that's coming when, when we will all find ourselves like, like a fish helplessly flopping on the, on the shore. And Christ is going to judge which ones go with him and which ones get thrown into the fires of hell. Now it's a stark, sh- it's a stark shift, isn't it? It's a bit of a, a jolting shift to go from the joy of finding the treasure we've been seeking our whole lives to being faced with this picture of, of judgment. So why does, why does Jesus you know, shift so quickly there? Well, the whole point of facing judgment is not simply to be scary, and it isn't simply to be honest. It's actually for us to understand the, the holiness of, of the kingdom and the holiness of the king who reigns over it. Jesus wants us to understand the, the holiness of God is it's his absolute un- untainted perfection, isn't it? And it's that what, what creates this gulf between us and him. And it leaves us wandering and searching for the treasure, that righteousness that will fill us, that, that righteousness that will make us right before him. And the question this parable should cause us to ask ourselves is, how do I get to be an acceptable fish? How do I end up in the, in the good pile, the ones that go with the fishermen? Well, this is the moment where all the parables come back together for us because the answer is to embrace the treasure, isn't it? There's only one person who is is holy enough to stand before God, and that's Christ Jesus. And the calling of the gospel and and these parables is to to give our whole selves over to him and to be found in his righteousness through his death and resurrection. And the call of the gospel is to be found in the, the Savior who's serious enough about our righteousness to give us his righteousness through his grace. And Jesus actually even, even underscores the importance of this, doesn't he? In this, this little conversation he has with, with the scribes at the end. 
Yeah, the scribes were the people responsible for teaching the, the people and instructing them uh, about, about the word of God. And Jesus is, is instructing these ministers, you know, minister, and, and ministers today, that's me, that we're responsible to, to know the word of God and to be prepared to, to teach God's people all kinds of things from it. Because Jesus wants you to know all the, the facets of the truth that's contained in his word. And he wants you to know how important it is for your soul and for your eternity to be found in him. Now lastly this morning, and I'll, I'll keep this point very short. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but the, the last thing we see this morning is, is the fragility of the gospel. What does Jesus do when he's, he's finished with these parables? But he, he goes off to his hometown of, of Nazareth, doesn't he? The place where he was, he was raised. And he once again goes into the synagogue, which is the place of worship. And he starts teaching the people there. And everyone's amazed, aren't they? This is incredible teaching. It's, he's got incredible wisdom. He's, he's, presenting, uh, he's presenting to these people the, the pearl of great price. To, uh, he's, he's showing them the, the kingdom of God. And they find it incredible, don't they? Now, but notice why they find this wisdom so incredible. Because isn't that little Jesus, you know, the, the son of Joseph and Mary? He's that, that carpenter's son. Isn't he? I, I remember him. I think I went to school with him. We may have been in the same year group. Maybe I should run home and check the, the tea towel that we made in year two with our, our pictures drawn on it. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, his picture was pretty rubbish, but, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's him. Isn't that nice that he's, he's grown up to know all these things? But how dare he teach us? We know his family. We, we know his brothers and his sisters. They're, they're nothing special. Now, the, the irony of this is that all their, their criticisms are, are, are actually true, even if they're not legitimate. Everything they say about Jesus here is true. They, they do know him. He was raised by, by the local carpenter. They do know his brothers and, and his sisters. I could have called this last point the, the offense of the, the gospel because they're, they're too familiar with him. But, and because we, and we, we do see that the gospel is offensive to these, to these people for the simple reason that they didn't like being told what to do or what was true by one of their own, and especially not someone who, who wasn't from their their class. He wasn't a prominent member of their society. But I, I, I like calling it the fragility of the gospel because we can, we can see just how, how fragile the message can be when it meets hard-heartedness. And that's, what, that, that's the warning for us here this morning. You know, and, it, and it flows through all these, these, these parables, doesn't it? You know, don't, don't fail to buy the field with the treasure. You, know, you should desire. You should look for how. How do we? How do we become the good fish, the the fish that gets taken? Well, what Jesus says to to these people that Jesus didn't do many signs or works before these people because the the gospel message was met with unbelief. It's it's a fragile message when it when it when it meets hard heartedness. See, in many ways, we see the the worst side of the previous parables being played out here. The treasure is found, but the people reject it. They didn't see the value of it. They didn't find the joy in it. The one who is serious enough and righteous enough to make them right before God came to them, and they, they didn't receive him. 
or take him seriously. The gospel is actually quite a fragile thing in the sense that the hearts can easily smash the message. These people in his hometown didn't, didn't want to hear him because of, the, of silly reasons. You know, they, they illustrate to us just how easily it is for, for, for a person to come up with reasons not to follow Jesus and not to hear his voice. This is actually a warning to us in, in light of these parables not to let, not, not to let the, the field with the treasure be taken from us. Don't come up with reasons not to, to trust in Jesus, not to go all in with Christ. Jesus says, if you, if you want to know him, if you want the, the treasure, then you have to be open-hearted towards him. Now, we've talked a lot about a lot of things this morning, and I, I, I can sometimes feel like a sermon on, on multiple parables with, with some different reactions can feel a bit fractured. So, so let me close with this. We've talked, about, we've talked about joy. We've talked about seriousness. And we've talked about fragility. But I want to close by saying something about, about beauty. You see, the, the wonder of these three things, joy, seriousness, and, and fragility, is that they point us to the, the deep beauty of the Savior who spoke these things into our world. You know, in them, we, we see the, the heart of Christ towards, towards sinners like us, don't we? He's a Savior who, who loves us enough to, to enter into our world of sin and shame, of, of hard-heartedness, to, to take the scorn of, of the people in his hometown. And he, he enters into our world and he, he wants to take the, the suffering and the wandering and he wants to turn it into, into joy. And when the world wonders why, why they can take Jesus seriously, the answer is because, because he's serious about our righteousness. And he's serious about our holiness before God the Father. See, he's a serious Savior, and he, he calls us to, to tenderheartedness towards him. That's to be open and vulnerable to him. And we can do that because we, we can see in him this, his, his great love for us at the cross. And the beauty of the gospel is that the one truly beautiful is that it's the one truly beautiful thing in this world. The gospel says that, that if you want to have the, the one treasure in all the world worth, worth possessing, if you want to be found in, in him in the last day, on the day of judgment, then you have, to, you have to embrace this Jesus. You have to soften your heart to him and receive him by faith. To lay aside all the, the things of this world that, that hinder you and to come to him because he is our treasure. He's our pearl of great price. He's the only one worth having. Let us pray.